Welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on the current head coach of Army West Point Hockey, Brian Riley. And what an episode this was. A little bit about Brian's background. His dad, Jack, was actually the head coach of the 1960 U.S. Olympic team that won the gold medal and also was a coach at Army Hockey starting in 1951. And then get this, Jack Riley was the head coach at Army from 1951 to 1986. Then Brian's brother, Rob, took over as the head coach of Army Hockey from 1986 to 2004. And then Brian has been the head coach of Army Hockey since then, uh, all the way up until now in 2021. And what an awesome conversation this was. Uh, so inspiring. Uh, got a little tingly <laughs> in the feels. Uh, cried a couple times. I mean, just what an inspirational person Brian is and what he's doing at Army Hockey, which is a Division One program, and, and they've done such a good job for years. So uh, before we do get over to Brian, though, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, what's going on today? Doing great, brother. Shaping hearts and minds. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that the whole drive home. <laughs> Did you have <laughs> that? Was rehearsed before you even get those like a cue card? <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I always think about what am I going to say when Tove asked me what's going on today? Today I was shaping hearts and minds, my man. There you go. Well, it's starting to get into kind of busy season for you now that some hockey seasons are over and, and people are starting to come back from out of town and stuff. So things starting to schedule up pretty quick for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's picking up pretty hot here now. The past couple months, I usually will train like maybe max. could be anywhere from like two to 20 a day. Uh, now it's it's like I'm usually around like 30 to 40 a day maybe consistently and if it was a normal year and no covid uh no rona all the boys would be almost all done right now and then i'd be 80 guys a day for uh for the whole off season so uh, i'm excited it's been electric in the gym so far and it's just the prep phase and it's great seeing the boys back together great seeing guys get back in town from juniors or college or whatever and you know, it's so fun, man. It makes me just miss the game so much, like actually playing because like you see the guys come back that were teammates, you know, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and now they're all in different places across the country at different various levels. And to see them come back with their old teammates and start training again, it's like they never left them. And it just reminded me, you know, like of you and I playing in tournaments in the summer together every summer or my old teammates growing up. And that's just such a great part of the game to in around your friends, putting in hard work and making each other better. And so it's really, really exciting time right now. Yeah. And it kind of goes along with the theme of a lot of what we talked about with Brian here. And that's like family, you know, like hockey is a family, like the hockey community is a family. And that's something that you guys are going to be blown away with the passion that Brian talks about his players, number one and army hockey as a whole, but it's so true. Like, when you have these shared experiences together and even at youth hockey, if you're playing triple a, that's not easy. And you're going through a lot of stuff together and it's road trips and it's hotels and it's, you know, a ton of different stuff, practicing three times a week, getting home late. And so when you go through some of that stuff, it, it brings you closer together. And uh, it just to hear you kind of say that it, it's just 
ties it right along with what a lot of our conversation was about with Coach Riley. Right. It seems like that's everything Coach Riley talked about. I mean, what, what like what an amazing human, what a great guy. And there were definitely a couple times I was uh, shedding some tears in this one too, like some amazing stories. And, and, you know, he's the same as every other, you know, division one coach, but he's also a completely different than every other division one coach with the situation um, that he's in being the head coach of, of army. It's just, there's so much more at stake. There's so much more going on um, in his players' lives and what they're going to do post hockey. So, uh, really cool to, to hear, you know, where he's at, where he's going, where he is in his head, how he approaches things. Um, cause it is a bit different than, than the rest of the D one coaches in the country. Yeah. And how about the fact that somebody with the last name Riley has been the head coach at army hockey for 70 years. How insane is that? Is that good? I don't know. <laughs> That's, that is, um, that is literally amazing. That's so cool. It's unreal. And you know, he's got, he's got, a younger generation of Riley's that are coming up in the coaching ranks too. Brett Riley, his nephew is the head coach at long Island university. It just became a division one program. And, and his son, Jack is an assistant coach in Manhattanville. So it's the Riley's there's a long line of awesome hockey people in that family. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, that's so cool. They must have the best uh, family Christmas games and family <laughs> Thanksgiving games. I know we've talked about our own families and how intense they get, but how how intense must those get? Yeah, well, I've heard the Rileys are quite competitive with those kinds of things, especially out on the golf course and stuff. So that's uh, that's good. Hey, before we do get over to this conversation, one thing I kind of wanted to bring up. I heard, do you know Gary Vee? Do you listen to Gary Vee at all? I absolutely love Mr. Gary V. <laughs> Unbelievable so message. Yeah, so I've started to get into him a little bit, and he said something the other day that I thought was really, really cool and something that I feel like would be good to talk about because I feel like you and I have both used this in our journeys to, to get to where we are right now. And he was talking about uniqueness and being unique. And it was almost – he was talking about uniqueness as in like it's like um, not a strength but a weakness – so it's not like a weakness, it's a uniqueness. You know what I mean? So what he said was, don't overthink your uniqueness and don't underestimate it. I just thought that was really, really cool. And then I think about, okay, what's my, you know, what's my kind of like weakness? What's something that I need to work on? What's something that I, you know, throughout my journey has been a little bit of a setback. And for me, like as a player, it was always my size. Everybody always talked about my size, didn't make this team because of that and blah, 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 blah. And, and so I use that as a motivator to prove everybody wrong. And I use that uniqueness. I didn't underestimate it. Like I used it as power. So taking your setback and using it as a setup, as you always say, from Ricky Mendez, who we had on the podcast a long time ago. And I just thought it was like a really cool, because you used it too. You know, a lot of people gave you a lot of crap for being skinny and not really being athletic. And now you're a top any working with NHL strength coaches, you know, that's out there. And so I just think that's something like whenever anybody says something to you, that's holding you back, take what they're saying and find a way to reframe it where it's like, no, this is just me being unique. It's not like a deterrent or it's not something that's wrong with me. It's something that's unique about me. And I can use that to better myself. And just like, and what I would take from that too, is like leaning into your ness, 
That's your name plus Ness. <laughs> Tof Ness. Name that movie anybody out there. Come on. Um, <laughs> what a phenomenal line. But honestly, like as soon as you said that, I was like, you know, that is kind of like your Ness, you know, and and I would take it even a step further. And like I've done this with my training company without a doubt. Like I've leaned into the things that I believe and that I I have seen and, and work over and over and over with hundreds of athletes that I've worked with over the last 10 going on 11 years. And I do things that are different in the beginning. There were people who were like, I don't know. And I remember I put a video probably it's probably halfway through. This is probably five years ago. I put a video of this super tall, lanky, skinny kid that came to start training with me. And, uh, he couldn't do cartwheels and, and cartwheels are something, a staple that I have all my guys do and six, five monster. And I put him on Twitter. I didn't have Instagram at the time, uh, doing cartwheels. And his dad texted him was like, what the hell is a vecchio having you do with cartwheels for? Why is he putting you on there? And, and that's me leaning into my nest. I was like, no, I believe in this. This is why I'm going to show that what I do. And that's kind of what I started doing on Instagram. And I leaned into my uniqueness. I'm not just having guys back squat. I'm not just having them run a 20 yard sprint. I'm having to do all these different things that most other trainers don't do. And that's my nest. And I've leaned into it because I believe in it and it's paid off and it's worked. And for you, for hockey, it could be like, yeah, you're smaller than other guys, but how do you use that to your advantage? Not only like use it with a chip on your shoulder, but like, okay, I'm shorter well, what can a shorter guy do? A taller guy can't maybe in the corner, you get low when you turn and a guy hits you, he's going to roll off you. I remember trying to run Nathan Gerby, uh, in the AHL, my coach came up to me and he's like, Gerby's beating you all over the ice. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to run him. He is five, nothing. And every time I hit him, he ducks down and gets him like a little ball and spins. I'm like, I literally cannot hit him. Like I'm trying, you know, um, but that was him using his uniqueness to his advantage. He knew how to use his smaller stature. So like find out like what you said, what is unique about you, whether people are saying it as a positive or negative and find a way for it to make you better that other people can't do what you can't can because it's unique to you. I, I love everything you just said there. I love everything you just said there. And I, I want to bring in like how I got this quote from Gary V too, because from a life perspective, it was really interesting. And so there was this guy that was asking him questions at some seminar or something like that. And this guy wanted to be a real estate agent, but he had a really bad stutter. And so he was like, I feel like I'm losing clients, you know, because I, they feel like I can't communicate with them. And he's also like, I got a lot of tattoos. And so I don't look like your typical stuffy, you know, real estate agent. Not that all real estate agents are stuffy. They're not. But <laughs> that's kind of the genesis of the conversation. And Gary Vee was like, dude, that's unique. Like, there's not a lot of people like you. How awesome is that? Like, imagine the market that's out there that don't want to be with the cookie cutter real estate agents that are out there that do the same things as everybody else. He was like, lean into like your stutter. That's not a, that's not a weakness, man. That is a strength. Like people are seeing you work as hard as you do, you know, with the, the, the limits that you have when it comes to communicating. And he's like, man, that, that makes you cool. 
that doesn't make you less of yourself. That actually makes you really cool. And the fact that you're tatted up, like lean into that, you know, there's going to be a market out there for people that, that want something different. And so it's just like, I just thought it was really cool. I've been listening to him a lot more. I've sent a couple podcasts to people in my network of, of just some awesome stuff. Cause it's no BS. It's just, he's really good at, at just talking about, I don't know, like the human condition and humanness. If that's what you want to call it. And the, with no fluff. And, and uh, I just thought it'd be really something cool to talk about on this podcast because yeah, lean into your uniqueness. It doesn't make you any less than anybody else just makes you different. And then use that uniqueness to, to grow. Unique New York, Unique <laughs> New York. Yeah, dude. I love Gary V. I, I'm so happy you brought that up. Um, I think that's powerful and it's something that, that everyone needs to hear. Um, another example, like, like trying to give, you know, if there's kids listening, like, um, you know, for me, like didn't have good hands, didn't have good vision, but I could skate. I use that. I, I did, you know, my uniqueness, I just use that as much as I could. I just skated as fast as I could all the time. Now, obviously talking about, you know, you know, could I have developed this and that, but like I used that uniqueness to, to my advantage and like top size, he was so shifty, small, shifty guys are, are smaller guys are hard to hit. So he used that mess, that uniqueness of being a shorter player at the higher levels. And I always thought it was an advantage too. Like I never saw my size as a disadvantage. I always saw it as an advantage. Nobody else did. (laughs) Right, but (laughs) But I I did. And that's why you scored over 100 points in college hockey, let alone the ECAC where you play way less games and all the other college hockey uh, um, divisions. So like you used it to your advantage. So any players out there, find a way. Where there's a will, there's a way, baby. And use that mess. <laughs> uh, I like it. A couple good movie lines you got in, in this unique New York. What's that one from, listeners? And then seven different kinds of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that part of that movie. <laughs> All right. Let's not waste any more time here. Let's get over to Brian Riley. Before we do get over to Coach Riley, man, I'm like, God, this was such an awesome conversation. You're going to get the feels from this one. Uh, but what we do want to thank our sponsors, Gel Sticks, our title sponsor that's been with us from the beginning. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Uh, go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com for awesome weighted training sticks. Uh, they have lacrosse sticks. They have golf clubs. They have hockey sticks. And uh, it's a great time now that the weather's getting a little bit nicer. Take your gel sticks outside, get a net outside, maybe outside the garage or in your yard or something and, and just start heaving her. So um, thank you to gel sticks for, uh, for supporting us. Thank you to train heroic Jeff's training app, go to train heroic, download it on your phone and check out R I P T ripped hockey and uh, join the thousands of people that have used it with Jeffrey, my man, Lavecchio. And uh, thank you to ice hockey systems, our drill sponsor. And for today's drill, Jeffrey Lavecchio, uh, simple drill, simple drill, but this is a two on two, two ways. Two on two, two ways. So how this one works, it's not a totally game-like situation because it kind of starts from a standstill in the neutral zone, but that's okay. Um, but what happens is so you have two forwards going against two D on one side of the red line, two forwards going against two more D on the other side of the red line. So on the whistle, one of the sides goes, and it's a two-on-two, and the D have to hold the blue line. Come hell or high water, the D have to hold the blue line. And so the forwards have to do a good job of figuring out how to get around that guy or chip it and go get it. They have to support the puck, but it's just a little simulated situation at the blue line where you have to 
either chip it in to get possession or skate it in as best as you can, but you're making it tough on the forwards because the D have to hold the blue line. So you play that one out, you get inside the zone and then the coach will blow another whistle. And then the two forwards that were playing on offense, they are now back checking to get back to the other side. The two D that just went, they are now trying to join the play. And then those other four players, the same thing happens where the two forwards are trying to get inside the zone of possession. The two D are um, holding the blue line come hell or high water. And it goes from a two on two into a four on four inside the zone with the two forwards now back checking and the two D jumping up into the play. So there's a little bit of transition. There's a little bit of blue line play. And uh, anytime you can get two of those things in the same drill, I think that for the most part, you're going to work on something that is going to happen in the game a lot. So um, what do you think? I love that. Cause it's working on so many different things. Um, one of them, which we've talked about, I think one of the, the hardest things that I saw for like U16, U18, you know, U15 players is picking up their guys on the back check and that communication piece. And I feel like we talked about that in um, our offense, defense, or, or one of those ones, we talked about this and how those players at that age, like it's kind of make or break. You really start to see the guys who have the hockey sense on the back check and know who to pick up, talking to their teammates. Hey, you got him. I got him. Get next to him. So I love that it's working on that part at the towards the end of the drill or the middle of the drill. And I also like, you know, forcing the D to get out of their comfort zone and step up and not just sit back. Um, so I like that as well, which is going to force the, you know, the, the, the forwards to either chip it and, you know, crisscross or, you know, make a move or whatever. So I like, I like a lot of the things going on in this drill after that four on four in the zone, uh, when the play is done or the coach decides that, do they blow the whistle, blow it dead, then restart it. Yeah. And then eight new guys will come out and okay. drill. So everybody else is kind of on the benches. Yeah. Um, so you have the full width of the ice to be able to do it. And yeah, it's uh, it's good drill. Works on a lot of different good stuff. So um, no drill is perfect, but it's a good one. And so we will throw out some video later on in the week uh, so you can get it visually. And uh, then we'll go from there. Uh, we also do want to thank Blue Wire Pods, which is the podcast company that has taken us under their wing. And uh, we're really excited to be a part of that podcast family. Uh, they got some great hockey podcasts. They have some great other sport podcasts as well. So uh, thank you to Blue Wire for uh, believing in us. Think that we can help them grow. And so, yeah. But uh, anything else, Vex, before we head on over to Coach Riley? You listeners out there. Go use your nests. <laughs> and your seven different kinds of smoke. <laughs> Done. All right, here we go. Uh, without further ado, here we go with head coach of Army Hockey, Brian Riley. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast out from West Point, New York, we have head coach of Army Hockey, Brian Riley. Brian, I am so excited for this conversation. How are you doing today? Awesome. You know, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, this is, I think, like I, when I told somebody I was getting on this podcast, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I've hit the mother load here. So, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's great to be on with you guys and uh, truly an honor. And I just want to say to everyone out there, obviously appreciate all that, that, that you are doing to educate uh, people about this great sport and, and um, what we all can get from it because 
uh, it is a game, but but it can it can teach us and help us in the game of life. And I think you guys do a fantastic job in edu educating people on that. So an honor to be with you guys. Thank you so much for those kind of words. It's making awesome. me teary eyed over here. Coach. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, the game of life and everything and nothing more important in the game of life than family. And the Riley family is, is American hockey royalty. And uh, you guys have given so much to, to this sport dating back, you know, generations. And so before we get a, kind of get into your family history a little bit, I, I do want to say, because I have some relationships with some people in your family and got the chance to text them beforehand. And uh, what's this? I, I hear there's a little Riley family rivalry between some of the younger, let's call them nephews and sons and the uncles and dads here. So what's, uh, what's going on with that? <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? I mean, there's nothing like family competition, right? We're, we're, we're all pretty competitive guys. And, and, and so now, um, I have obviously had the chance to coach against my sons and coach against my nephew, but where it really gets interesting is out on the golf course. Um, you know, so you have the uncles against the kids. I can say that, and we won't go too far back, but the uncles are holding the trophy from, uh, from last year. So, okay. um, you know what, a lot of talking from the young guys, but, uh, the older guys, we had a little more wisdom and were able to kind of figure some things out. They hit the ball, obviously, a lot longer than than we do, but there's nothing like experience, right? You can't <laughs> teach experience. So, um, But no, uh, um, I think competition, like, like that's why we're all still in this sport. And, and obviously, I can't play and go out there. Well, I do go out there on the ice, but um, there's nothing better than than being able to to have friendly competition amongst the family. <laughs> I like it, and I hope all those young bucks out there that are listening, especially your sons and, and your nephews and stuff, they're, uh, they're, they're probably getting jabbed a little uh -huh. bit. They're going to have some people reaching out to them. Uh, that's awesome. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope they are listening. I hope they are listening. So, um, yeah, I look forward to getting out on the course this summer with those guys. I love it. I didn't have much luck against them when, when they were on the ice in here going against their dad and, and their uncle. But, um, that was, that was a pretty neat thing too, you, you know, to be able to coach against your kids and, and to coach against your nephew. Yeah, for sure. And, and for those listening, so, so Brian coached against his kids, both Brendan and Jack, who played four years at Mercyhurst University, and his nephew, uh, Brett, just took over the Long Island University program. This is their first year, Division One, and, and I know it just in talking, you got to got the chance to obviously coach your coach against your kids and then coach against Brett this year. So what's that like as a, as a proud dad and a proud uncle being able to, you know, and, and knowing these kids for, for their whole lives yeah, yeah. and being able at, at one of the highest levels in college hockey to, to compete against them in, in that setting. Well, you, you know what, you just hit the nail on the head, proud dad, right? So when, when I had the opportunity to coach against, it was Jack first, um, I'm not going to lie. I was a proud dad, you know, to, to, to be able to see him out on the ice. And, and, um, and then eventually it was Jack and Brendan together uh, playing. And, and probably one of the biggest highlights of my coaching career, when I look back, will be the game in here um, when Mercyhurst was playing against Army and they announced the starting lineup, at, you know, at right wing. 
Number three from West Point, New York, Jack Riley. Um, on left wing, number six from West Point, New York, Brendan Riley. And, you know, I can only imagine what it would be like to, to come and play um, in the rink where you grew up in front of family and friends. And um, I'll be darned if the first shift, Brendan doesn't score and, and Jack gets an assist. And I remember thinking, <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. But now there's still 58 minutes left. So I'm like, all right, we'll be all right here. Um, <laughs> and then Jack got the second goal. Jack got the third goal. Jack got the fourth goal. Um, didn't really go our way that, that, that game, but I do remember shaking their hands afterwards and saying, guys, did you ever think about doing this against the air force against Frank and not <laughs> against your father? Right. Like, um, but, but no, like, um, I'll always be their dad. So, uh, you know what? I was, I was really, really proud of them. I, obviously I wanted to beat them four to three and hopefully they had all three goals. Um, but as a parent, to be able to watch your kids live out their dream of, of playing Division I college hockey, like I, you guys know how hard that is. I, I, there's only so many slots. And, and to be able to do that and, and to be able to come back and, and, and play at West Point was obviously special. I did tell Jack the first time that I coached against him, I said, Jack, you better keep your head up. And he's kind of like looking at me like – what are you talking about dad? And I said, Jack, I went through this when I played against your grandfather's team. When I played against uh, my dad's team, I said, Hey, they can't hit me. So the next best thing to hit me is going to be hitting you. So you know what? You better watch yourself. And um, our guys, we're chasing them around for sure. You know, but, but, but he handled that fine. Let's, Let's go back to them scoring those goals. That's yeah. got to be so, like, I've never even thought about this, heard about this. It doesn't happen often at the higher levels, yeah. obviously. You see him score. Are you, like, covering your hand and kind of kind of sellying for him, kind of clapping, or, like, well, yeah, what's going on? You know what? Don't lie. It, 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 it's kind of weird um, because, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, 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 inside, you're like, wow, all right. Good job, Brendan. Good job, Jack. But but then you got to kind of snap back and say, like, I don't remember, like, like Jack actually came in here and in two consecutive years got four points against us on a, on, and I'm like, I don't remember many people doing that. Like, um, so like bottom line is uh, I'll always be their dad. And, and, and I was extremely proud of them and, and happy for them. I was disappointed that we lost. And, and so there's a lot of emotions that, that go into that, but I, I am so glad that that's over. Um, and now this year I look down the bench and there's Brett, you know, my nephew at LIU. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, um, very, very proud of him. Happy. You know, I mean, he went and took a job at, at LIU that most people in college hockey were like, wouldn't go near it. And, and he was like, the heck with that. Like, like, give me this job. And, and I mean, he put a team together in a matter of months during a pandemic and um, he's going to do great things there, but I don't like coaching against family anymore. It's just <laughs> like, you know what, because I'm always watching them and hoping that they would win. Um, and then when you're coaching against them, yeah. So, uh, not looking forward to that. And both, 
Brendan and Jack are now getting into coaching. So I'm sure it'll be inevitable that one day I'll be looking down and seeing them on the opposing bench. I mean, I'll never forget. I was an assistant at Plattsburgh and we came down here to play my dad and my brother, Rob was his assistant. And we were up like five to one. And I remember looking over at the bench and seeing those two guys. And I'm like, Oh, this is no fun. Well, it's five, two, it's five, three, it's five, four, it's five, five. We get a, a lousy penalty called on us in overtime. I, I, I still like can't believe. And sure enough, they score and beat us in overtime. Well, one minute I was feeling bad for him. Then we're going through the handshake line. I almost ripped my brother's arm out of his socket. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's been kind of neat to have the opportunity to, um, be across from family members, whether it be playing or coaching. That's so cool. And you, you know, you mentioned being, being a dad to, to Jack and Brendan, but your dad was, uh, was quite the hockey player and, and quite the coach as well. And, uh, for, you know, for those listening, you know, the, the Riley family, there's been a head coach of army hockey that has had Riley in the last name for 70 years now, uh, with your dad starting in 1951 and, and here with you in, in 2021. And that is what an awesome, awesome legacy that is. And, and just for a little bit of background for our listeners about your dad, uh, played in the Olympics, uh, was the coach of the 1960 American Olympic team that, uh, you know, that won the gold medal. And this, he was kind of like the Herb Brooks before Herb Brooks was Herb Brooks, <laughs> I guess yeah, you can kind of yeah. say. Well, he cut Herb Brooks. Yeah, and he cut Herb line, Brooks. Right? That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so what was that like, you know, growing up uh, with with your dad being as involved yeah. in hockey as he was and, and you growing your love and passion for the game? And then on the other side of it now, what's it like still having O'Reilly being the head coach of Army Hockey because it went from your dad to your brother yeah. Rob to, to yourself and nobody in between? how cool of a legacy is that for you you know what I mean unbelievable to be a part of that like, like I still pinch myself that I'm the coach here at Army like are you kidding me like I mean I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined so I grew up and um, my dad came here for one year and he stayed for 36 right um, so as a kid growing up um, in our basement we had pictures on, on one wall where my dad's army teams, and he always had another wall with his captains. But on another wall was a picture of his Olympic team, right? And people would come over and be like, inevitably, it would get, hey, where's the gold medal? And I'm like, you guys want to see the gold medal? And they're like, yeah. So I would go up to my dad's room, open his top drawer underneath his T-shirts, grab the gold medal, because that's where he kept it. And I bring it down and show them. And so as a kid, I always thought, like, why does dad stay at West Point? Like, he was an unbelievable player with his two brothers at Dartmouth, all Americans. He was a player coach of the U.S. national team. He played in the Olympics. He, he coached the Olympics. And I'm like, why? You know, he, he was from Boston. I'm like, why doesn't he go to a B.C., a B.U., a Northeastern? Um, but now having sat kind of where he sat, I know why he stayed. You know, the opportunity to coach at West Point and to somehow have a small part in shaping and develop young men that are gonna lead this nation's sons and daughters makes this the most rewarding and humbling coaching job. And I'll even say best coaching job in all of sports. Um, I truly have the best coaching job 
uh, in, in all of sports. Um, that rink behind me, that's a leadership laboratory. West Point's a preeminent leadership institution in the world. And, and so um, when you go to a graduation here at West Point and you see them call up your players' names, and I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about that, um, you know you know that as a result of them being players that they are ready to go out and lead. And so um, I know my dad had plenty of opportunities to do other things and coach other places, but he stayed at West Point. And, and now it's been 70 years. Somebody said, I think this year it was the, um, I don't know, 2000th win or 1000th win or something. And I was like, it's not about the wins. It's about the 70 years and the relationships that have been built, not only within the people here from West Point, but everybody in the college hockey world. I mean, people on the other team, bus drivers, you know, I mean, you name it, doctors. Um, that's what, to me, the, the, the 70 years is about, like, like having the opportunity to be on here with you guys today, hockey guys. Like, I mean, this is about relationships that this sport has brought us all together. I mean, that's truly what it's all about. So, so you know what? I am part of a legacy that um, a thousand wins. I'm not a math guy, but I'm smart enough to know where I stand in the pecking order with those other two guys. Like I'm down on the bottom, right? But <laughs> um, you know what? Like I said, it, I, I mean, I've been the luckiest guy in the world to grow up at West Point and now to have the opportunity to raise my kids here at West Point. Um, Truly, truly blessed. Yeah. That's so cool. I, you know, it's so funny, like just in, in speaking to some, some people that know you before this podcast, everybody basically said there's nobody that loves West Point like Brian Riley. And that, yeah. uh, that is coming out in full force right now. And if I was a 19 or 20 year old kid, I would be calling you up wanting to play for you. No, <laughs> so. no. You, you know what? I mean, you have to have a passion for, um, I think every coach like has to have a passion for where they are and, and, and truly believe it. Right. Like the best advice I ever got, like, like people say to me, what advice would you give somebody getting into coaching? And, and I tell them, this is what I like. The best advice I ever got was from my dad. And when I told him that I wanted to get into coaching, he said, Brian, I'm going to give you one bit of advice. So I started thinking, all right, let me go get a piece of paper. What's he going to show me a power play? Is he going to show me D zone coverage? Like, like, PK something. And he looked at me and he said, Bri, you make sure that you show you your players that you care for them more as people than you do as hockey players. And if you do that, you will create this power of one, which will enable you to overcome any obstacle that you may have during a season, during a game, but you will also create relationships that you will last forever with, with your players. So, um, I love my players. I could go in and, and love's a strong word, right? Like I could go in that room right now and put my arm around every single one of them and tell them that I love them. And, and, and they would know that they're loved. Now I could go in tomorrow and put my foot in their butt, like, but they would still know that they're loved. Right. And I think if you guys were here at West Point today and our guys were walking out of the locker room and, and, and you asked them, Hey, does coach Riley care about you? If one of them even hesitated, I would be horrified. Like, Oh my God. Like, um, so coaching is an amazing opportunity, obviously to stay around the sport of hockey, which we all love, but, but also to, um, 
be involved with something where you can build these relationships that will last forever and you can you can make a difference in in young people's lives so um yeah i'm i'm like i said i've got the best job because not only where i am but because of what i get to do so so yeah very cool very very cool so you know you talk about that love and you talk about you know that togetherness that you guys have that's a really really difficult thing to get at at the highest levels that takes a lot of work that takes a lot of care it takes bringing in the right people to to be a part of it too um and, and you guys have done such a great job at that and again from the people that i spoke to like the word family came up a lot and not just the riley family but just yep. the kind of atmosphere and culture that you wanted uh to to have around your locker room so you know you mentioned some really cool things just in in the past couple minutes but for you like for the coaches that are listening and, and me like i love team building and i, I love yep. this stuff yep. um what are some major things that you do with your team that can help develop that love that can help yeah. develop that, that friendship. And, and ultimately those things translate onto the ice, right? If you love each Absolutely. other, you're going to want to sacrifice for each other. And, and uh, you know, especially at West point, these kids and some of them are going to sacrificing their lives for, yeah. for each yeah. other and for the greater yeah. good. So what are some things that you do to kind of facilitate that within your, uh, your locker room? Well, you know what? I mean, number one, and, and people talk about family or people talk about brotherhood. They, they, they use different terms, right? Like, like ours is family and it's one of our pillars. And we talk about family all the time. We talk about family all the time. So there's nothing more important than family. So when something comes up in a young man's life with his own family, like, like I am all about, hey, you know what we say about family. Like if you have to leave right now and go, then you're gone. Like, like, like there is no, you have to go home, like, and, and be with your family. And and so I think not being able uh, or not being afraid to talk about family, but again, like building that relationship, like showing your players that you actually truly care for them more as people than you do as hockey players, that allows you to start, pouring that foundation to create that love for, for one another, because when it comes down to it, um, I learned this, like we've had two players killed in action while, while I've been the head coach here, um, Derek Hines in 2005 and Tom Kennedy in 2012. And there's a lot of qualities that, that made them great leaders. They were committed. Um, they were accountable. They were team first people. They were selfless leaders. And, um, you know, like, like the biggest difference when you have a team and you want to create that power of one, if I was to ask, all right, Topher, do you play with Jeff? If you guys were on the same team and, and you guys said, yeah, we play with each other. That's not the right answer. You know what? You want somebody to play, no, say, no, I play for Jeff. And Jeff would say, no, I play for Topher. Because when you play with somebody, guess what? You don't have to sacrifice anything. It can be just about you, right? But when you play for somebody, you may have to sacrifice. Like, you'll go down and block a shot. You're not doing that for you. You're doing that for your teammates. One of your guys may get run over, and, and he may not defend himself. So you got to step in and and defend him because he can't. Right. And so, um, I learned that because I got an email from Derek Hines on August 28, 2005. Um, and he was killed on September 1st. 
And in that email, he said to me, he said a lot of amazing things, but one of the things he said to me was, Coach, um, I thought that I understood the most important thing was being in a room and knowing this guy has my back, this guy has his back. And, and, but you know what the most important thing is, Coach? He goes, when I go out now and we go out on a mission, I'm not going out with the guy next to me. I'm going out to fight for the guy next to me. And so that always has had me thinking since then, you know what? That's the same thing in a team. Like it, it, it's, it's getting players to understand you want to have a special team then have a team full of guys that play for each other, not with each other. And so I think like having that mentality and bringing that to your team and trying to instill that, that will enable you to create that family um, bond that love for one another that 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 love for one another like we said love is a strong word love is not a word that that you just throw around right and you can love one another and we still have our disagreements players i'm sure like we've had a couple fights out on the ice this year but it doesn't mean they don't love each other it doesn't mean when that puck is dropped that they're not going to play for each other so to me um i think that's one of the most important things you can do to, to create that bond of, of family by, by getting that team to understand it's playing for each other. That's the most important thing, not with each other. Coach, I think that's one of the, the greatest coaching phrases I've ever heard in my life. Like that, you know, I always, I constantly tell guys in the gym because I, I train athletes, hockey yep. players, you know, what is your why? And like, you know, guys are tired or something. I look them in the eye. I'm like, what's your why? Are you trying to make a team? Are you trying to hit a number? Are you trying to make more money? Whatever. Think about your why before you do this exercise. And if you can think about like your why for playing the game, it's like that is, there's so many whys, but when you just switch that word to four, I'm playing for this yes. guy next to me. Like you said that. And I, I wanted to block a shot and coach, I haven't wanted to block a shot since I started my European pro career. And I left the U S <laughs> in 2000, I don't know, 12. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to Europe. I'm done blocking shots. I just, you said I play for Tove. I was like, I'm going to block a shot for Tove. Yeah. Like that was wow. That That's is what happened. Powerful. That's what happened. Like, like when, when, when guys are all bought into playing for everybody, for each other in the room, like it's, it's without hesitation. Like, you know what, like, I'm going to do whatever I can for, for my teammates. And, um, it's hard sometimes it's hard. Like you guys know, like going down to block a shot, like, like that's not, I'm not doing that for me. Like, you know what, ultimately I'm doing it for my teammates, you know? And, and so I think that, that having that component on a team and, and, and we had a successful year this year and every year is different, right? Like, like, like we're going to have to start all over next year. And, but um, that was a big component of, of, of our success was, was our guys love each other. Like they truly do, you know, and, and, and when you do that, you will play for the guy next to you playing with you, playing with somebody is easy, right? Like I said, because it's all about me. So. Wow. I'm I like have chills right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh -huh. I have chills. And when you mentioned Derek Hines, like I, like I kind of welled up a little bit. Yeah. Like it just, uh, 
you know, and that's one thing I want to ask you just kind of about that is like, I feel like a lot of times in, in hockey at the higher levels of hockey, but I feel like this is a great lesson for people at at the younger ages too. We get so consumed with it. We get so consumed with it. It's the most important thing in the world, which, which it can be. And that's, that's okay. But we get so consumed with it that we don't really take a step back and, and look at the bigger picture of things. And, you know, for you being the coach there at West Point, I mean, there's much bigger things going on at West Point than a hockey team. Um, so how do you kind of weave that into, um, you know, into the fabric of, of your guys's culture, just, Hey guys, we're, we're here to play hockey, but we're not just hockey players. You know, we we're playing for something a lot bigger than just us. And, and, uh, you know, how do you kind of talk about that with, with your guys? Because I feel like that's something that we as youth coaches don't do enough of is like, Hey, there's so much more to life than, than just what we're doing here at the hockey rink right now. No, And, and, and first and foremost, like, I feel one of my most important jobs is to make sure the legacy of Derek Hines and Tom Kennedy lives on, right? Like we talk about them all the time, talk about them all the time. And, and um, you know what? I, I, I've had numerous NHL teams in here, um, professional football teams, um, college teams. And, and, and I talk about those guys and, and what made them the leaders that they were. And, and, and I can always tell when, when people listen, they're like, wow. And, and they realize that there are things that are more important than the game, right? Um, so at West Point, these guys put on a jersey that has army across their chest. And when you do that, and you're standing at attention during the national anthem. And I mean, standing at attention, you're not moving, your skates aren't moving. Um, everybody's looking at you. And it's a responsibility that we have to understand that we represent more than the 30 guys in that room. We represent all the men and women um, that put on that army uniform every day. And, and, we can never lose sight of that, right? Like, um, is it a big responsibility? No, it's an honor. It's an honor. And, and and our guys, I don't necessarily know that they understand that coming in, but by the time they graduate, like, they truly get it. I, like I said, you watch us play in the national anthem at the start of the game, you can kind of see, like, Tove, if we were playing in liner rank um, and – we're playing Cornell, I would guarantee you that the majority of people would be looking at our guys going, wow, look at those guys, you know? And so cool. um, we walk into an airport and, and people are like, oh, those are West Point cadets, you know? And I tell our guys all the time, like you should, and they're like, oh, whatever coach, like, but I said, there's gonna be a day when somebody's gonna ask you, where did you go to school? And you're going to say West Point and your chest is going to pop out as it should. Um, it is truly, truly an honor to, like, like I said, coach here, but the young men and women that, that come here in today's world um, are really, really special. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing every day to, to be around, to be around cadets. It truly is. So you talk about bringing, you know, bringing some of the people in here and, and yep. I got to read a few interviews that you did. And, and one of the things that you mentioned a couple of different times is like a West Point kind of guy, 
You know, yeah, this person is yeah. a, is a West Point kind of guy. And I have to imagine, I mean, just sitting here talking to you, like, I want to know what that is because okay. I want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think yeah. that's, that's what we all strive to be is somebody that can, you know, uh-huh. put on that sweater and, and, you know, just care about other people. Like, so, so what, what is a West Point kind of yeah. guy? Well, first of all, so I can go into a rink and there's two junior teams playing, right? Whether it be me or one of my other coaches. And there's 40 kids playing in all reality. We might only be watching five because of we can't. I know recruit. how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, like yeah. <laughs> we, we can't recruit Canadians. Right. We can't recruit Europeans. Then you start factoring in the academic piece. Right. But then then you also factor in the character piece. Like um, that is that is really, really important here. Like like. We need strong character people. We need people with leadership potential. Um, obviously, we want good hockey players. And when I watch a game, I'm going to tell you, what am I looking for? I'm looking for somebody who, when he comes to West Point and he puts that Army jersey on for the first time, and I'm telling you, anyone that puts a jersey on that has Army better be friggin' tough. Better be friggin' tough. Like, you know Love what? Um, hockey's about one-on-one battles. And... You don't have to be the biggest guy to win battles. Like, you know what? But the only way you're going to win battles is if you want to be in battles. So that's what first and foremost, like I am looking for guys that want to be in one-on-one battles. And I don't care. I don't care if you're five foot six or if you're six foot. Heck, you can be six, two and play like you're five, two. You can be five, six and play like you're six, six, right? Like Derek Hines. I mean, he was small, but I'll tell you what. When I went and watched him that first time, I was like, whoa, this kid plays big, you know? So, so first and foremost, like for me, um, I'm looking for those guys that, that want to be a one-on-one battle. I'm looking for those guys that want to block shots because they don't know that they're playing for their teammates yet, but, but they are. And, and so, um, but then we dig deeper into the character piece. You know what? You could be a very talented player, but if you had, if you don't have strong character, then guess what? In the biggest moment, you're probably going to fail us. So you never want to compromise um, character, right? Um, give me a player with with less ability and high character, right? Than somebody who has more ability and less character. That's that's the guy that I want, right? And so I think at West Point, again, like. I think it's about somebody who's going to understand what it means to put on that jersey and be friggin' tough and play tough. It's somebody who's committed, somebody being committed to being the best person they can be, the best student they could be, the best teammate they can be, um, somebody who's accountable. It's easy on a team sport not to be accountable. You can always blame someone to your left or your right, but somebody that has the ability to look in the mirror and say, hey, or stand in front of the room, and we probably all done it. You know what? As a coach, I need to be better. You know, accountability. Somebody that's a team first guy that will do whatever, whatever, whatever is necessary to make his teammate look better. Right. So, so those are the qualities I think that I look for, that we look for. Um, and those are the type of young men and women that, that come here to West Point. Now, have things changed when it comes to that? Because like, you know, you talk to a lot of different people and everybody will say, you know, kids have changed, 
kids yeah, have changed yeah. and, and you've been at this a long time now where the way that you're recruiting, it might be a little bit different than when you did when you were started. I think mm-hmm. obviously you have your core principles, like you just talked about yeah. in terms of the toughness and the team first and everything, but how have you seen the recruiting process and specifically with what you guys are doing change, you know, in, in the time that you've been doing this? Yeah. Well, well, well first and foremost, you can never compromise those core principles, right? Yeah. They're your core principles. You can never compromise those. And, and I think for me, one of the ways it, it's changed is there's so many more people involved, like advisors <laughs> and like the old days of just dealing with the kid. Now they may, you may call a kid and you say, Hey, I want you to call my advisor. I'm like, what the heck? Like, um, it is, it is weird, right? Like I, I say this, if I were to get back into college coaching, one of the things that I think I would do a little bit differently is recruit the support system Yeah, more than the kid, because it's almost like the kids now are, they're looking for somebody to tell them what to do because it's such a big, it's, there's so much stress when it comes to picking a school and being recruited and all this kind of stuff. They're kind of looking over their shoulders and looking to whether it's mom or dad or or their coach or their advisor. Like I, I would like have much more conversation and with with the surrounding cast let's call you it need to. <laughs> yeah i mean if you're gonna survive you have to because the old days of me calling home to my dad and saying dad like, i can't believe i wasn't on the power play and my dad saying you know what brian maybe you need to work a little harder like you need to check the box of um being a great teammate you know maximum effort um and you know what if you do that then you'll be fine but but now i don't know there there's just so many people involved the message sometimes is more like well um they're not giving you the opportunity you know so maybe you need to go somewhere else and it's like wow like um i mean the college hockey right now the transfer portals like almost 300 players now like it's, it's ridiculous like it, it's free agency and college hockey it, it, <laughs> i mean it's so we called it the waiver now. wire the yeah, waiver wire <laughs> it, 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 it really is different but the bottom line is you know what um as a coach like i said your core values like just sticking with those and and, and developing your players yes but but preparing your players to be um great young men, preparing your players to be great husbands, preparing your players to be great dads. Like when I get, when I get emails from my guys or pictures that they send me with their kids, I'm like, first of all, I laugh, like, like, I can't believe he's a dad. Like, but, but it just makes me smile. Like, wow. You know, and it's pretty awesome. So, um, you know what? I think maybe even when you were in college coaching, Topher, like, it's probably different, but as a coach, you've got to figure it out. You've got to be ready to adapt because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. You're going to get left behind. So it's still, it's still an unbelievable opportunity to be around these, these young men and, and make a difference in their lives. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. It's so interesting. You say that too, because I feel like the best coaches in our business and, and probably best leaders in, in general are the ones that have those core principles that they don't waver from. And they know that they should never waver from those things, but also they know when to adapt and when yeah, to change yeah. 
and when to, you know, maybe acquiesce to some things that are going on in the world or just the way that people are changing. What are some of the ways that you feel like you've changed as a coach? You know, you've been yeah. doing it for a long time now. What are, you know, we talked about your core principles and some of the yeah. things that are true yeah. to you, but what, how, how do you feel like you've changed as a leader? Well, I, I, I think one of the ways I've changed is to be surrounded by, by great coaches. You know, I have one of the best coaches in all of college hockey that's been by my side here for probably six years now, and Zach McKelvey. Um, you know, like, you want to be a good coach, surround yourself by good people. And, and um, you know, I think of uh, Arlen Marshall, who we brought on this year, Eric Lang, Trevor Large, you know, those guys have gone on to become head coaches. So, as a coach, not being afraid to surround yourself with good people and, and you know what, sometimes stand back and let them um, run with it. And um, so I think over time, like one of the things I've developed is it, like, I don't have to do everything. Like, like, like my voice doesn't always have to be heard. Um, and, and I have confidence enough in, in you know what, I, I can still get my message across, but um, I think uh, how else ha has it changed? Um, um, I don't know. J just understanding that um, maybe the way that 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 uh, you used to push kids um, when I first started is different. Like like now, players want to know the why, right? Like like why are we doing this? You know. So you have to be ready to kind of explain, like. Jeff, kind of what, what, what you talked about, the why, right? Like, even as a coach, you, you have to, they're smart kids. Like, the old days of, all right, we're just going to do what coach said. We're going to get on the line, and we're going to do minute drills, and down back, down back. Like, now they're kind of looking at you like, hey, why are we doing this? You know? So, um, I guess just um, the way I've changed is, um, most importantly, just, surrounding myself with, 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 with good people and, and um, being confident and knowing that, that, that we're all, it's not Brian Riley, the head coach. It's Brian Riley, Zach McKelvey, Arlen Marshall, um, Chris Horn, our ops, uh, Ross Chikantic, um, Matt Micheroni, our strength. Um, you know what? It, it's, we're all, we're all together. And, and, and so, um, that's what the neat thing is about being on a staff, right? So, uh, we all have our say and, and that's what I'm confident enough to give everybody their say. I know Zach a little bit just, uh, from yeah. his time with uh, the Bruins and I, uh -huh. I think maybe it was the year that I was hurt. I can't remember. And he was going through what he went through with signing in the military yep. and yep. figuring all that out. But Man, I just remember like being a fan of his, the way that he conducted himself oh. and like might've only known him for like a couple of weeks. And I saw him yeah. down at that coach's clinic in Florida, um, came up right up to me and we started talking and like, he made such an impact on me at that camp. And I was rooting for him so hard during that whole yeah. thing, just hoping that he could play. Um, because I, like, he just, the way he like conduct, the way he walked in the room, like his poise, his confidence, yeah. like he was just, I barely knew him, but I was like, this guy's a leader. Like I just knew it. So it's really yeah. cool to hear that he's uh, helping your staff out. Oh no, he, he's, he's a phenomenal coach, but he's even a better human being. Like, like to have, to have somebody like that as a role model for your player, because he's a West Point grad, 
like, like our guys look at them um, and are like, like, I want to be like Z, you know, we call Zach Z. And so um, he has done an amazing job. He is an amazing coach, but I tell people he's even better person. So I've been very, very blessed to be, have the opportunity to um, be around great coaches. I mean, they're, they're the ones that keep me young. Like I think I'm pretty cool. But when I walk in the locker room and, and the guys are kind of looking at me when I talk about music or whatever, like I, I'm not so cool. I, I mean, I even know that with my own kids. So, <laughs> so having good young coaches around helps me to, I guess, think I'm cool. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get that luxury, especially on this podcast with how cool Jeffrey <laughs> Levecchio is. But you know, I'll play hey, second fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Uh, so I, I have another question for you, Brian here. And, and, and this is, you know, you're preparing, as you're saying, you're preparing men and men, but the, the military is preparing men and women, um, to, to go in and, you know, into yeah. some tough yeah. spots into some tough places. Right. Um, I'm, I'm wondering for you investing so much into these kids and, and I, I want to know what graduation wow. day is like for you as a coach, as somebody who has mentored these kids, brought them in and, and seen them grow, seen them go through their leadership uh, education, as you call it, um, going through West Point and everything like that. And, and knowing where a lot of these kids are end up going and, and putting their life on the line for, for us, yeah. for, for all of us. So we can do the things that we do and we have the freedoms that we have. Talk to us a little bit about what graduation day is like for you. You talked about being a proud dad, you know, to, to your sons, but I have to imagine that that same feeling oh, for comes sure. on that so they, they, they have a buildup here it, it's graduation week and my favorite my favorite thing at west point is a graduation parade and um now don't for our players they don't like the parades you know and and, and they don't march in a lot of them but they all march pretty much in the, in the graduation parade and, and, and what happens is all of the seniors at some point step out from their companies and they're facing all the rest of the cadets and then all of the cadets will march by and salute the um the the graduating seniors and their first day at west point starts with them being in that situation but they're plebes and they march into their companies and it ends with them marching out of their companies and and so after graduation after the parade, like I always walk around to try to bump into our guys because their 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 families uh, are here. And actually, the last time I saw TK Tom Kennedy was at the graduation parade. We, we we were on the parade field looking for some of our guys, and I bumped into TK, and TK was a major, and we're walking off the parade field. I said, TK, the next time you come back to West Point, you're going to live in one of those houses. There's three generals' houses: the superintendent three-star he's like the president of what would be a university the commandant he's a one-star he oversees the military and the dean one star i said well tk you're not coming back to live in the dean's house because you would never be the dean here at west point but maybe the commandant or the or the superintendent and that's the last time i saw him but the next day is graduation and like i said you're sitting in there with all families uh, friends and they call off your guys' names. And then our guys after graduation come over to the rink. They go into the locker room. They change from their cadet uniform 
into their officer uniform for the first time. And they go out on the patio and they're sworn in as second lieutenants or they do it out on the rink. And that's when it hits so you cool. like, wow, wow. Um, and I have never, ever, and I, my dad was here for 36 years, my brother, 17. There has never, ever been a player on that day has said, I regret coming to West Point. And they've had some tough days, you know, but when they get to that day, um, I can only just imagine like the pride that, that they feel. Cause I know how much pride I have in them and how proud I am of them. But the pride that, that, that you have in your players on graduation day at West Point, I just think it has to be different here than, than other places. Right. Because like you said, Topher, like they're graduating and then they're going to go and lead this nation's sons and daughters in, in various places around the world. Um, and so uh, I think as a coach, you know, at that time they're ready and um, they are going to go and represent our program, but more importantly, are at this school in a way that you could only hope that somebody would represent and, and make us all proud. That's, that's amazing. That is literally amazing. And, and I want to ask you one more question because I, I think it's really pertinent and it's something that we talk about on this podcast, literally almost every podcast that we do. And, and that was the, the power of adversity. And yep. um, it, it's just such an unbelievable teacher for anybody that, that is looking to get better. And, and I, I'm a big reader of, of military training. Again, I, I love learning about team building and nobody, yep. in my opinion, does it better than the military. You guys are legitimately sacrificing your lives for each other. <laughs> and, and that's the, the ultimate price. And, and one of the things that always comes up is, is this notion of shared adversity. Yep. And yep. I would imagine I've never been to West Point, but I would imagine that your players go through training and go through certain things that regular college students or regular college athletes don't. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just talk a little bit about how important that shared adversity is and, and for the kids that are listening to how important it is to go through some tough stuff, go through some hard stuff and, and how they can, it, or how it can make them better and, and stronger in the like future. Life isn't easy all the time, right? Like, like, like nobody came in our locker room this year and threw magic dust in our room and said, hey, guys, guess what? It's going to be a piece of cake. You aren't going to have to fight through any adversity. <laughs> no. You know what? Um, here at West Point, they go through adversity every day. Just like a game, though. You know what? Jeff, Tope, like, like when you guys played, when you get knocked down, what would you do? You got up. You got up. Like, like, like that's what hockey teaches you. It teaches you you got to get up. And, and, and so same thing through adversity here and everyone's path through our program is different. Some people face more adversity than others. Some people get more at the start and less at the end. So some people get a lot, you know, the whole way through, um, but being able to deal with that adversity. So, so our sport um, can teach you a lot about the game of life. So this year, our first game was at AIC. Um, we had just gone through, uh, getting shut down and, and starting back up and, you know, this COVID everyone, we played AIC and on, on AIC's roster, they had a young man by the name of Eric Otto, Eric Otto oh, is all wow. of last what a moment. Yeah. because of, um, battling cancer, battling cancer. 
And I remember like, like telling our guys, like when this game ends, like, I don't care what the score is. We're going to let this young man know, like, wow. Like we, and, and so after the game, um, we all went over to him and, and, but, but my point is like, you think you're going through hard times and, and you're ready to kind of give up or, or complain. There's always somebody that, that, that has it harder than you. Right. And, and, and we were fortunate to be on the ice with a young man who stage four, like, like I, I'm not sure what kind of cancer, but are you kidding me? Like, we thought we had it bad and, and, and we got beat that game. Like, but, but, but we learned more about the game of life. Like, like I, I always say some things are bigger than the game. Um, so the adversity that that young man went through taught us a lot about adversity. And guess what? You know what? Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is hard, but you know what? You can go one or two ways. You, you can just stay down and accept it. Or you can get up and keep battling. And that young man, like he taught us that day, he obviously kept battling and he's probably still battling today. So adversity um, is something as an athlete, as a hockey player, you got to be ready to handle because if you don't, you know what? You're not going to go very far. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to live your dream of, of being a college hockey player. If you can't handle adversity and, all you got to do is watch the news every night and, and realize that, whoa, adversity, like we don't have it so bad. Right. So. Yeah. And so, perspective yeah, so, too. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's all about perspective. That's another thing we talk about a lot yeah. is that, you know, we're so focused and for the kids that are listening, we're always so focused on our own journey that we forget to take a step back and, oh. and see where we fit in this world. Yeah. And that could be a yeah. very powerful thing. It could be a very, a very big thing in terms of, you know, understanding that the world doesn't revolve around you. It, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. And there's so many other things going on. And, and I, I know that one of the, the biggest things that I did as a kid was my grandparents always taking us to a homeless shelter and they took us to a shelter for kids that were abused and, and were taken away from their families and grew up pretty privileged. And you see right there that like, wow, that just gives you some perspective straight, straight to the face. And yeah. it, 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 shows you how lucky you are for the things that that you have to to appreciate those kinds of things um and it also kind of shows you that it's almost like a responsibility to to help people out that are less fortunate than than you are too and i just think that that perspective taking a step back is just just so good for the soul and it's so good for all of us to be able to just put yourself in somebody else's shoes every once in a while and and understand that the the yeah, the world doesn't revolve around you no and and, and hockey in the big scheme of things, it's a game, right? Like, like I would say to the, to the young players that, that, that are out there, um, one of the things that, that when, when I talk about leadership, because um, I, I think of TK and Heinze and, and I talk about commitment, um, these guys were committed in, in, in everything they did and commit, being committed to something is not a sometime thing, right? Like, if you want to be a hockey player, you can't just be committed some of the time. But, but I would challenge the young people that listen to this um, podcast, be committed to being a good person, right? You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be short. You don't have to be the best player on your team. You don't have to be a forward or a D to being a good person. Like, 
if we have a bunch of people in this world that are committed to being good people, like, like think of how much better this world would, would truly be like for the kids, you know, please thank you, you know, hold the door open for your mom. Like, like tell your mom and dad that you love them. Like, like just um, respect your teachers. Like just be committed to being a good person. And um, like I said, commitment is a, you always see these youth hockey teams with, with, with slogans on their back or words on their back. And I always chuckle when I see commitment because I'm like, well, do they truly, truly know what commitment means? I don't know. Like commitment is just not one thing and commitment is not a sometime thing, right? Like I can't wake up today because it's rainy and cold out and say, you know what? I'm not going to be a good person today. Like it's easy not to be a good person, but be committed to being a good person. And if you want to be a good player, then you better be committed to being a good player. Not, not some of the time, but all of the time. So, yeah. So true. And, and we've talked about this too. I, I feel like the people, everybody says, or everybody wants to be committed, but like yeah. you said, like there's very few people that are uh-huh. very, very, very few. And, and that's why I think, and, and we like to say this, like if you are one of those people know that, gain some confidence from me saying this. There are very few people like you. Very, very few. And you are so far ahead of everybody else that you're competing with for whatever you're competing with. If you truly do the things day in, day out to be a good whatever and yeah. a good person. And and they, those two go hand in hand. There's very few hockey players that are out there that are terrible students. There are very few hockey players out there that don't treat other people the right way. Like you just don't get anywhere in life yeah. by by putting other people down and, and stuff like that. So uh, I just think for the kids that are out there that are listening, listen to Coach Riley. Like if you truly put yourself out there and go all in and commit yourself daily, don't just say it, but actually do the things and take action necessary to do it. Like, Oh my God, are you so far ahead of everybody else? It's incredible. And you will reap the rewards. Whatever those rewards, I don't know. Maybe it's a championship. Maybe I like, I don't know what that reward, but you will reap the rewards long-term and, and, and you, you are exactly right. That's, that's the word right there that it all starts with. And, And and it's not just for individuals either, too. I mean, we can circle us back to the beginning of the conversation that we're having. Like, if you're a team and you want to develop that family, t- like, you have to be committed every day to being a good person and caring about other people and, yeah. and, and bringing your best self to practice so your, your teammates that you're competing with are going to get better instead of, you know, lollygagging because you're not making anybody else better if you're not bringing your best yeah. self, yeah. right? So it's like you have to be committed to the team as well. And that's something that just from, from being in college hockey and, and talking to people around army hockey and things like that, that's something that you guys have been able to do so much. And I just think it's, it's such a cool thing Thing, what you've built there and uh i just it's been so fun being able to talk to you about it and talk to other people about it and wow i mean 70 years of riley's at at uh, at army hockey and and you leading the charge right now i mean it's just such a great honor and and we are so happy to have you on the podcast here coach i, I do, at certain points during this conversation i cried I was on mute when I did that. Uh, I got chills <laughs> and I wanted, like, honestly, I wanted to be a better person. I wanted yeah. to be a better person here in you talk. And I just I want to thank you so much for doing this. This has been awesome. Vex, what do you think? 
Unbelievable. And I, I, th- there's like there's like a few phrases. Where what episode is this? Tell do you even know. We're one fifty something. Yeah. One fifty. Okay. Like coach, there's a few phrases from one hundred and fifty one hour to hour and a half conversations that stick in my head. And the the for your teammate instead of with your teammate is on my top three. That is, that's, that's one of the best pieces of coaching I've ever heard in my life. So thank you for teaching us that and teaching all of our listeners, because if you start to switch your thinking and look at things differently and think about your why, and you start to think this way, like you are going to play, you're going to play differently. I wish somebody would have said that to me when I was younger. Cause like those kind of things stick with me and they motivate me. And now I'm going to go hit the gym. So thanks coach. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could hit the gym, but you know, he, you know like, like, like I said, I, I, I've been coaching here for a long time, but I didn't win any of those games. I may have lost a couple of those games, but you know, it's obviously being surrounded by great players and 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 great staff and and that that playing for somebody like I said came from Derek Hines and this is a young man who who laid his life on the line and gave his life um, so that all of us could could do what we're doing today and I will tell you this you talk about selfless leaders if Derek Hines and Tom Kennedy were on this call right now First of all, they would be unbelievably excited to be, you know, talking hockey. Um, but they would end it with this. Um, Heinze would say, what happened to me on September 1st, uh, 2005 was, was awful. Um, and he would say that he misses his mom and dad, that he misses his two brothers, and he misses his sister. And, and TK would say, what happened to me on I think August 8, 2012, he would say, you know, that really stinks. But then he would say he misses his mom and dad. He misses his wife. He misses his twins, Brody and Cammy. But both of them would say this, that they would much rather have what happened on those days happen to them than to any of their soldiers. So you talk about selfless leaders. You, you wonder why I think I have the best coaching job in, in the world, because I get to be around people like TK and Heinze every day. So um, this has been an unbelievable honor for me to be, I'm just a little disappointed, 150th podcast. And so that means there are 150, 149 guys that went before me. What the heck? <laughs> oh, come on. Like, uh, um, hey, no. I, I am a big believer that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And you have moved me very much in this podcast. Uh, no. And so. Like, no, I, oh. I mean, again, I appreciate you guys allowing me to, to come on. And, and, and I, I appreciate all you guys are doing for, um, for this great sport and, and getting the message out there from all types of different people. But I can also feel the passion that you guys have and, and, and the message that you guys d- deliver. So uh, this has been an awesome experience for me and uh, hopefully one day we'll, we'll be able to do it again. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on coach. This was awesome.